Welcome to episode 112 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, your host for today. When we recorded the Memoria Final Fantasy episode a while ago, it ended up with a runtime of over three hours, and as such, we decided to cut it in half and present it in two parts. This week's Retro Encounter episode is the second of those halves, and it covers Final Fantasies 10 through 15 in our journey reminiscing about every game in the main Final Fantasy series. So please enjoy this episode of Retro Encounter, featuring myself as well as Alana Hagues, Hilary Andriff, and Mike Salbato. So, are we ready to talk about 10, or do we have any final thoughts in FF9? Write in your final thoughts, guys, on the forums before we post them next week. (laughs) (laughs) That's a forum. That's where I used to go to rant about video games before I got a podcast. Yeah, that's where I went to talk about FF7 back in the day. (laughs) Now, let's talk about 10. Speaking of forums and podcasts and uh, Final Fantasy games, we did a Final Fantasy X podcast many moons ago that I was mm-hmm. on where uh, listeners may or may not have heard this. I, uh, I I didn't like FF10 the first time I played it. I didn't play it until after a couple of years it was out, I think in the 2004-2005 range when I first got a PS2. I got a PS2 late. But I was bothered by how linear it was, and I found several of the main characters annoying. So I was a little bit of an FF10, FF10, FF10 hater for maybe uh, maybe a decade or so. But when I replayed it for the podcast um, two years ago, I turned the corner on it and decided I liked it more than I used to. So um, mm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I won't get into, pers- into a personal story about it first. Um, who here has or has not played FF10? Has anyone, has anyone not played it, I should ask? I've actually not played very much of it. Ah, okay. Oh. Mike, have you played FF10? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I, I played through it at least once, and I'm eh, somewhere in the in the HD version. Yeah, I did Although it. Although I haven't in, touched it in a while. I did it once in 2005, and then once in on the HD version in 2015, and that's my <laughs> FF10 experience. It's a pretty game. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I think it's got my favorite setting out of every Final Fantasy game because it takes it removes it so far from both fantasy and steampunk, and it sticks you in essentially the tropics or something akin to that it's beautiful and i know the linearity is kind of a pain because actually it's the design of the world of spirit almost because you start at the bottom of the world map and you literally go all the way up then slightly left (laughs) then right and then back to the middle and then up and it's like you're going in like a cross arc kind of thing. And um, i think it's sort of neat how you go you start in the tropics and as you travel north it gets colder and, uh, yeah. and the final areas are a, a snowy mountain and then sort of a cold, sort of barren area, which is an, a nice paying attention to ecology because, I mean, a lot of RPG world maps have things like ice and volcanoes and very nonsensical places. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> this one makes a bit more sense. Yeah, this one makes a little more sense. But I almost wish the, the setting was a little more tropical because that mm. first few hours of the game, I think, uh, like going from the... Uh, uh, like from the start of the game through, through the Meehan Highway, or the Meehan Road, uh, I think those. Oh are the yeah, most, everyone loves that. Yeah, I think those are the most beautiful parts <laughs> of the game, and I sort of wish that the rest of the game kept to that standards of vivid color. But uh, yeah, I like Macalania as well. Yeah, oh, and Macalania is beautiful, and um, Mount Gagasets a really beautiful icy area. But it, like, an FF10 is so pretty. It, it blew my mind seeing those HD, uh, like, beaches and tropics when I started it up again ten years ago. Yeah. Sorry, two years so, ago. I'm bad at numbers and years. 
You are. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> I really um, am. Final Fantasy X is quite famous for its kind of pain in the backside um, ultimate weapon quests and I believe we've touched on this on previous thing um, podcasts. I've played Final Fantasy X three times. Once was a double playthrough with my partner when I bought him the HD collection. But on my single playthroughs, I've got all celestial weapons each time. Oh my god! <laughs> and one of my strongest memories is the second time I did the Thunder Planes because I don't remember. I think my mom must have helped me do it the first time because I was fairly young. But um, the second time I did it, it was literally my mom was at work and I had the day off, so I was. I'd locked the front door, drawn all the curtains. I'd left a sign out in the hallway to say, don't come in the front room if mom came in from work. <laughs> Shot oh, wow. every single door and window. There's a little kind of, there's an easy way to do the fun. That's thing. just so every there's... weekday for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't get days off anymore. What's days <laughs> off as a full-time adult? Um, <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so I was really like, I'm going to do this because I'd been trying to do it for an hour and it was driving my, like, doing my head in. Um, so yeah, I basically safeguarded the front room, but there's a nice, easy way of doing it. And there's a dip. I think it's hot, like two thirds of the way down up on the first section. There's a small hole with a dip. And if you walk around it in circles, every time you step in the dip, you'll get a thunderbolt. So it was just about, I had to kind of build up a rhythm. So I had to do like, did it in time with the music because the thunderplane music is quite helpfully rhythmic it's like a metronome ticking so i had to time it to that and managed to do 200 lightning bolts <laughs> for the second time in my life but uh the but your mom got all of the celestial weapons it. all of the sigils all of the crests without the internet on the the week it came out of course no she did not <laughs> but she did beat osmer in nine i forgot to bring that up <laughs> so but uh, my personal favorite part of Final Fantasy X, because X has a really clever um, narrative loop in that the beginning of the game, where Tidus is going, this is our story, blah, 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 um, is actually, depending on how much you play towards the end, like the last five hours, it's the start of when you get to Xanakand. And that moment you get to that fireplace, like you finally understand the significance of that scene because you know what the journey's about. You know the connection between Tidus and Yuna, which is a far better love story, although it might be a little bit OTT at times. Um, what Xanakan does really well is when you're walking up the destroyed pathway for the first time, everything is pretty blue and purple and dark, and you've got the faith rising out of the water, and someday the dream will end, or a fleeting dream, whatever translation you're um, using for the soundtrack is playing. That piece of music is just another recomposition of Xanakand or Suteki Dene. But it is amazing. And that piece of music will bring me to tears every time. And I can't play that sequence without crying, where you're fighting behemoths listening to that really sad music. And it's really painful for me because Yuna is, even as a kid, I grew up liking really cool, like dark characters. But Yuna was the first time, kind of my like peak, like women are cool and I shouldn't be differentiating between genders kind of thing and i didn't want her to die i really felt it. it was the first game where i remember feeling that i had to do the right thing and i had to stop her from sacrificing herself essentially spoilers um but yeah final fantasy the theme 10, of the game I, was sacrifice we certainly did uh final fantasy 10 was a day that i would take sick days off to watch my mum play i would like we would like cook chips and something and sit in bed and play it together that's how I think you did uh, twitch.tv in 2001 
<laughs> took sick days. Yeah. Take sick days but off I'm... to watch your to watch your mother or your friends play play an RPG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, for me, um, people that listen to the FF10 podcast from two years ago will know this. <laughs> cool. My my uh, my other than noticing the better things of FF10 the second time I around I played it. My big thing about FF10 was probably discovering my love of Blitzball. Which Blitzball I still is think, amazing. I still think it's one of the best side quests in RPG I history. Love I, I, love recruit, I, I love that so many just random people throughout the game can be recruited for your team, that there's pretty good rewards, that it's a competent... Uh, I won't say it's X, but it's, it's a competent uh, action game on its own. Um, and I may have ordered a Killica Beasts t-shirt online once upon a time, because they're the best Wow, mm -hmm. that is good. The Killica Beasts are cool. Uh, Definitely the Kill really yeah, the Killica Beasts, really the best team in the game is getting the, uh, getting the Guado goalie, and then getting... Oh, he's amazing! Yeah, and then getting that random guy on the, uh, on one of the, on, on one of Rin's, uh, uh, truck stops to be, to be your best defenseman, and then getting four Killica Beasts. Because the Killica yep. Beasts have like have the second or third best defenseman, one of the best midfielders, and two of the best forwards. They're the, uh, the Killica Beasts are beasts. What can I say? They're not that hard to play, though. No, no. The, well, the funny thing is, is I mean, you you level up characters separately from Blitzball than from your regular level, and uh, up until level fifty, the Killica Beasts are the weakest enemies, are the weakest opponents in the game. But around the level, level 50, fifty, around the level fifty or sixty range, yeah, no, well, yeah, uh, yes, I, I, I think I, I read this before, um, before playing it. But around level fifty Good. or so, all of their, all of their stats skyrocket, and they become the best team in the game. When I played it two years ago, I played so much Blitzball, probably about sixty matches, um, because because I you have I, to play a fair amount. Yeah, because because I got I got the play. I got Waka Sigil for the world champion. Yeah, um, definitely. But I had leveled up everyone into the low, into the fifty to sixty range when the Killica beats start becoming great, and I recruited, I recruited all of them. So, so wow. yeah, and then I ordered a T-shirt uh, uh, several months later. So yeah, my memory of FF10 is that Blitzball's great. <laughs> <laughs> I like Blitzball as well. I hate the Chocobo stuff in in. I hate the Chocobo races in Ten. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, they're really it's bad. Awful. But, but Blitzball's we... good, and um. And, and a lot of the environments are beautiful. The one that you have to dodge the balls on, that it you have to do it in 0 0.00 seconds. Yeah, yeah, F that forever. Get out of here. I, I, yeah. never, I never got the Sun Sigil for Titus. No, I, I, I did. I didn't want to, but I did. It's the only I, thing I don't like about 10 is most of those mini games. And I, I, I even know what they were going for with mm. the Chocobo one. Like they're trying to say it's like well yeah i mean obviously you wouldn't just jump on a chocobo or a horse or something and they would obey you right away but so i know the controls are bad on purpose but i still don't like it it was just so frustrating nope. like you just didn't feel like you had control over it so it's kind of hard to say be like proud of yourself when you're done because you're like well somehow i got through it somehow i got through it the ff10 story <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out that this was a welcome and fresh change after the card games, I thought, at least. I like Triple Triad and wasn't as keen on Tetra Master, but I think I would take Blitzball ahead of both of them. Because re recruiting characters is so much fun. I just wish that you were allowed to have a larger bench. Because yeah. you have like, yeah. six, I think you're allowed six players on the field and then two or three backups and that's it. Which is not enough. 
So should we talk about FF102 or do we not care enough? Because I, 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 I've only played the very beginning of 102 and that was enough for me. Same. Yeah, 102 has a good battle system. It has nice menus uh, as well. It has some frustrating bosses and some frustrating dungeons. And a silly plot. But it's funny, and it's quite light-hearted, but I don't know whether I care enough about it. It also has a really good job system, actually. There you go. The dress yes, sphere yes. system is really cool. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I, I I, know it's one of the more unpopular ones, but I've always suggested people at least try it because of the dress sphere system. Um, I know it gets a lot of flack for the plot, because the plot is mostly, like, literally pop music and nonsense um i i don't know I, i've always been okay with it because I, I always thought that if they had if they had followed up all the events of final fantasy 10 with an with another like serious like oh well we need to save the world again if they try to do the same style of story and narrative you'd have to like really compare them and be like well somehow you're going to top that which you're not because you like rushed the sequel out so I think you would always look at it as, well, this wasn't as good as the first one. Hmm. So I guess I'm kind of an apologist, but I, I think the right way to go is go in a way different direction. Whether anyone likes it or not, I don't know. But I, I think that was the way they should have gone with it. It was like, well, look, this is not going to be that game again. It's just, this is its own thing. Yeah. I, so I it's, it's weird and it's quirky, but it's it can be fun. I think that's an important point. because I mean, this and the series does that a lot too, which is something we kind of may go into. Um, is that it, it tries a bunch of different things. So don't want to do the same thing over and over again because it does invite that sort of comparison or just people getting bored. Right. I mean, isn't that what After Years was to 4, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. FF10 is like... the After Years of Final Fantasy X. Well, no, but wasn't After Years kind of the same... It was the same style of game, right? It was like, yes. there's another great evil and we're just going to do all this again. And Yes. Yeah. That was one of the reasons it might not have resonated. It's still worth checking out if you can. If you have the remaster, you already have the game. I do already have it. The problem is there's too many games, which is something I repeat like four times in every podcast, and I apologize yeah. for that. I agree. I think it's worth playing as well. It's fun. It's silly as long as you don't want to like – don't go in expecting something outstanding. But it's got a really – probably the best ATB system in the entire series and one of the best – job system oh it goes back to atb instead of having the ff10 yes oh. so it's dependent on the type of job so quicker jobs like thief have a shorter atb system whereas slower jobs like dark knight have a longer one so oh, that's crazy it's varying and also characters move from their position so they're not in a line sometimes they get pushed around by enemies sometimes they move in different places it's really quite clever and it's definitely that it's as I said, it's the best atb system in the entire series it does sound all right check it out speaking of things we should check out is ff11 we're talking about that's the worst transition ever and i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out I'm, on mobile i'm embarrassed but i mean <laughs> it would be worth talking about but i don't think anyone here played it oh it's too bad no um i was a baby i wasn't a baby um i was like nine <laughs> I, I guess my only memory i can say of 11 is ironically in the 11 themed quest that actually I think is still going on right now in Final Fantasy 14. Um, they did it a couple of years ago because 11 was quote unquote ending and it's still around. And for some, I don't know why they brought the quest back this year. Like it's the same quest. And um, you meet with one of the characters from 
like the end game of Eleven. And she's like, you know, I'm in this land. I'm not sure why. And you, you kind of relive some of the stuff from Eleven. And uh, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Like the end of it is this little like sequence and it's like screenshots and stuff from Eleven. And you're kind of like reliving it through there. So I didn't really have much of an attachment. So like, I don't know what any of these characters are showing me, but I thought it was a neat, neat thing to like, kind of like go back and like, hey, here's a little overview of our other game. Yeah. So like the only experience I have of Eleven is the music and theater rhythm and Shantoto and Prish from uh -huh. theater rhythm and Asidia. Shantoto is really cool. She's like a megalomaniac wizard yeah. mage woman who's absolutely crazy oh she's in world of final fantasy as well she sends you on a horrible quest into the ocean palace which is dreadful so oh, really? <laughs> that sounds about yeah. right yeah i've heard yeah, the, yeah. the legends of santona <laughs> yeah um yeah she's pretty crazy she thinks she thinks she's god's gift basically and to be honest she is the most powerful wizard mage in the entire game as far as i know um yeah there's some of the soundtracks really good as well i like awakening <laughs> which is what I am um, and a lot of the town themes are really good as well there's a really folkish feel about um, Eleven which is really cute and endearing yeah, and it's it almost, amazing it almost reminded me of Crystal Crystal Chronicles a little bit yeah that's a really good yeah because actually the tiny characters in Crystal Chronicles are really similar to the I don't know what they're called in Eleven but the equivalent of Lalafels they're really similar designs aren't they they have like the really like fat yeah yeah like but yeah like i i say i was pretty anti-mmo for a while uh, i didn't really want to play it so but it was the one you know it followed on fantasy stars footsteps and was a console mmo eventually as well it came to the ps2 which was pretty cool i think we mentioned earlier that uh derek did write a blurb for ff11 for the main sites memoria feature but yeah uh, i'm a little I'm a little bummed we don't have anyone here to talk about it. It's weird for a game that was online. Yeah. It was online for like, what, 15 years now? Yeah. It, yeah. They supported That's a long time. life it got. Yeah. 2003, so nearly 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, at least people can read Derek's thing on it because I know he spent a lot of time there. But let's talk about a game that I think most of us have played, and that's 12. Uh, has anyone here not played 12 for disclosure? Um, I only haven't finished it. Okay. But <laughs> I've played I, haven't, of it. I haven't finished it, but I've played it. I've played it twice and finished it twice. Both different versions. I only played the first version, but I did finish it. Hey. FF12 is really special. I think, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, or maybe at least don't remember what the reception of it was right when it came out. Like, it was highly rated by a lot of critics, but mm -hmm. the fan reception, I think, was mixed. Yes, agreed. Uh, yeah, critically, it was probably one of the highest rated games the year it came out, but the fans were not happy for the large part, which is a shame, really. And I was part of that, kind of part of that fan thing, because I played 12 and I thought, this is so different. And I finished it and I enjoyed what I played and then stepped away and just kind of forgot everything <laughs> and replayed played the Zodiac Age this year. And 12 has probably jumped from my second least favorite to my third favorite for some bizarre reason. It's I don't know whether it's age or whether it's time, but Final Fantasy XII is special and is a spectacular kind of example of a really well-designed world and just a really well-crafted game. Like, it feels good. There's nothing much about it that is bad, I suppose. Um, 
uh, my, my same jerk friend that loves FF7 and can't play FF9 uh, played this game way before I did and told me not to play it because he, uh, he, he, because he disliked parts of it so much. So I didn't play it until much later. But when I finally got around to it, I liked it a lot because the, um, the movement of combat I thought was what, I hadn't really played anything like it before and I was interested in it and I liked the gambit system because, uh, by the time I played FF, uh, 12, I had already played Dragon Age Origins. So I was used to, to basically programming my side characters with, you know, if, else, if, and statements, uh, yeah. in the, like the Gambit system, which is, uh, um, I think FF12's Gambit system is awesome once you have all of them, but is a little limited at first. Where, yeah, uh, I'd agree. Where in Dragon Age you get, um, you have more, uh, like, more control options early on, so. But so anyway, I, I was very comfortable with Gambits from the get-go, and really liked playing around with them. I, I was less enthusiastic about the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the license grid. But yes. my, my, my favorite parts of FF12 are um, just exploring the giant maps and, um, mm. and playing around with specific gambits. Like, like, like the, the famous one is, uh, is programming your characters to heal and attack certain enemies above certain health range, uh, ranges and just putting down the controller and having them fight against respawning enemy minions for 24 hours or whatever to get to to get to high levels. I, I, I love the exploitation level of that kind of thing. Because, mm. again, I mean, I'm a Final Fantasy Tactics and a Disgaea fan, so I love exploding systems. Um, but just having that gambit system and these big open maps and this uh, and a really sort of, like, all-over-the-place system of hunts and monsters and leveling... I was I loved it. I was so far over leveled before I decided to get off my butt and just beat the game. But <laughs> it, it's it, there really isn't another Final Fantasy game like it, and I think FF12 is absolutely worth playing. Uh, I don't know if it cracks my top five because I have a tremendous amount of nostalgia from for ones made before 2000. But the uh, FF12 is great. We recorded two podcast episodes of it early in a few months ago. That um, I believe it was Caitlin. Rob and Peter on those episodes, and and they're all big FF12 fans, so it's it's uh they're worth checking out. But yeah, I I love FF12's combat and gambits. Do we love uh, Sakamoto's music as well? Because goddamn, that soundtrack is beautiful. It's a great Sakimoto soundtrack, maybe the best. It really one. is. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my series favorites. Again, um, it's bet- there for, are some for, like between this and Valkyria Chronicles and FF Tactics, like Sakimoto, he's a he's got a great catalog. He likes wars. He does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He um, likes wars of a grand scale. He does. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Final Fantasy Twelve does the really cool partner system that we've already seen in two was used in three for a little bit as well. So you occasionally get guest characters who go along with you. So you have Vossela, you have Larsa, and you have the best Redis, who is an absolute beast of a pirate obviously being me um but you he's got a really interesting story as well so i think one of the game's weaknesses just to go on a side tangent is the villains and i don't really think the vein is a very good villain and i don't think the the judges are utilized as well as they could be the judges are cool are... but they, they i wish they were a little more present and vein is lame mm. yeah there are five judges and you fight two of them the best villain the in the fun. game is Vayne's hairstyle. He's the he's the coolest <laughs> villain. Definitely. Vayne's hairstyle. Well, the, the best villain is Sid. 
Well, okay, 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 that's true. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying that Vane has great hair. But, um, yeah, so when you get to the top of uh, Giruvagan, <laughs> no, not Giruvagan, the tower, the lighthouse, Faris at Ridorana. Mm. I don't like Faris at Ridorana, it's too long. Um, uh, yeah, un unless you really, really love staircases, that's not a great dungeon. <laughs> it's not too bad, it's not as bad as Giruvagan. Giruvagan is worse, and the Great Crystal is worse. But, um... The Redis is a really touching character because he climbs up to the tower with you. He's very set on killing Sid, and you find out it's because he's a judge and he sacrifices himself to destroy the uh, Nethersite at the top of the lighthouse. And it's a really gut punch moment again in the series for a character who is really cool and he really wants Ash to not. He says to her something about not succumbing to the power of the Nethersite because she's so focused on using it to win this war that he's like, no, don't. I'm going to destroy it for you. And she kind of realises in that moment what she needs to do. But yeah, Redis is a really cool side character. Um, I also like Solosi, really love the environments. Um, all of the wooded environments are incredible with all the wooden pathways that you go through. As long as you don't run into a Marlboro. Marlboro's in 12 in swamp in the woods. Bad. Yeah. Aren't too bad until you get to Giravagan, and then oh. you get the ones that cast sap on you. Okay. And... I, don't, I don't remember. To the, I don't remember the Marlboros to that level of specificity. I just remember really having trouble with some of them in that game. <laughs> but yeah, I think exploring each of the areas in Final Fantasy XII is beautiful because it's there's something really whimsical about some of the soundtrack. Um, so Sorobi Steps got this really floaty twinkly light-hearted tone and the geezer plane has got a really nice flute piece to it that makes you feel like you're skipping through the desert and then oh my god all of a sudden a level 45 thunderbolt is attacking me and i'm dead at level five kind of twist in it so it's like there's something about the world of final fantasy 12 that is really beautiful i've not played tactics either so i don't have a bigger picture of the whole of ivalice um but yeah, 12 has really jumped up the ranks for me because you don't like the license boards, but I tell you what, I think my biggest problem with the original release was the fact that you could basically have every character do everything. But when I was little, well, how old was I when this came out? I was 13 when Final Fantasy 12 came out. So I, so I wasn't little at all, but I didn't really pay attention to what characters were good at. So I just kept Balthier as a machinist, I suppose, and... He's the worst gunner character in the game. He has the slowest attack is he really? with the gun. Oh. Yeah. Um, Fran is not the best archer. Yeah, She's Fran, not too I, th bad. I thought Fran was like an average archer. And uh, yeah, I, I did um, hear that Belthier was a bad gunner. Bash has Bash has the worst one of the worst defense stats in the game as well. So I just stuck them all on their original roles and basically failed for most of the game. But what the zodiac age does is it locks you into this job system and it gives you two different jobs per character so you have less to play around with but you it's good it's guiding you but giving you some kind of freedom and i the structure of the new job system is really fantastic and really revitalizes final fantasy 12's license board system it's pretty simple it's like a redacted version of the sphere grid but just that you expand out rather than just go in a linear path but I really like what the Zodiac Age did to Final Fantasy XII, and it's greatly improved my experience of it. So everyone should play it. So I should play that version. You definitely should play the Zodiac Age if you're looking to play Twelve. I think. It fixes nearly all of my problems. You can't fix the narrative or character problems, 
but yeah, um, definitely play that. Okay. Also, the artwork is gorgeous. We just say, like, I know we haven't actually talked about any of the artwork for any of the games, but in particular, 12's artwork stands out. It's really pretty. It is. Yeah. I would also say just really quickly before we move on, 12 is actually um, tied to one of my first cosplay experiences. Oh. Um, oh. Right. A bunch of my friends really, really um, like 12, wanted to go as the judges. <gasps> oh, um, you've told me about this, or I've seen this. Yeah, I was Drace. Um, oh, amazing! Was funny because I was way shorter than most of them, except Argo Brown, who was also really short. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, but actually, on the last day, we made Bajurban Notoriety Squad shirts, and I went around. I think it was Anime Boston saying, "I'm Captain Baj. Don't put me on those Excellent. <laughs> Very good. Oh. So, that's enough uh, Final Fantasy XII. We're really running late on this podcast, but whatever. We're going to get through them all, I promise. Yeah. Um, FF13, I haven't played any of the Final Fantasy Thirteen games. I haven't and, either. And oh, I, wow. I, I think part, and part of it is, I think when they came out, I was just into other stuff at the time. Because I don't know, oh, geez. That was probably when I was playing disgusting amounts of Disgaea 3, uh, t- disgusting amounts of Monster Hunter Freedom Unite on PSP. Oh uh, just I was not into Final Fantasy at the time, and it, FF13's reviews and reactions scared me away a little bit. So I have not played any of the FF13 games, and um, Peter, and spe- specifically among RPG fan staff, has been bugging me to play them off and on over the few years I've known him. But uh, so what kind, what is the FF13 experience of you all? Because I, I won't have much to offer on this topic. <laughs> um, well, I've only played, I've played 13 and finished 13 and I've played part 13-2 and hated it and hate 13-2 and everything it stands for, which is a shame because the soundtrack's really good. Um, it's probably Sarah because I just can't stand Sarah as a character. Um, but 13... Definitely my least favorite, but I do think it gets too much of a reputation. It is a bit linear. It is the battle system's a little silly. That is probably one thing that 13.2 does better is the battle system. It really improves on the Paradigm system that you get and gives you a little bit more control. But I think it's kind of a bit like 8. Conceptually, visually, it's a really, really gorgeous game. And I really like um cocoon and oh god whatever the main grand pulse grand pulse um yeah i really like the design of both of those planets and areas again i keep saying this about some of the soundtracks but i think 13 soundtracks is again one of the most underrated hamalzu's work on that game is outstandingly good i love it so much but blinded by light is a really really good main battle theme Mm-hmm. There are so many good tracks on that soundtrack, and credit to him. Um, but particularly, I mean, I've been a bit negative. Um, I have a bit of an unpopular opinion about 13, and that I think Hope is the best character in the game, and most people absolutely abhor him because he's a whiny brat, but actually, <laughs> he probably goes through the biggest character arc and character development in a game where not many characters do get their time to shine. I mean, Lightning's cool. Sars is a bit of a gimmick character. Um, Snow is the most irritating character ever. And Vanille and Fang are quite cool as well. But Hope is... He's kind of... I, it might be because I was the 
a couple of years older than him, so it was the first character that I played in an RPG that was younger than me, um, or a similar age. And seeing him grow up, I mean, his, like, mom's a tough thing is old and boring, but, um, hmm. yeah, his goes for a really nice character arc, which in sees him, like, decide whether he wants to kill Snow or not, because Snow is partially the reason for his mom dying, and he really matures over the course of the game. He also gets Alexander, which is why I'm probably biased, but I think he really goes through a transformation. He's also a really, really broken Ravager, which is a black mage and a really, really broken synergist, or is he a better, he's a better synergist than a saboteur? Yeah, synergist. Which is a buff mage, essentially, and the saboteur is basically a debuff mage. Um, but, yeah, I mean... One of the scenes that's really, really fantastic, I'm going for CGI again, um, the raid on the main city at, towards the end of the game where each of the characters returns from Grand Pulse to crash a, the, um, I can't remember the name, it's Eden. It's Eden, before yeah. the Yeah, it's Eden, isn't it? And where they're all on their Eidolons crashing down, uh, it's really, really beautiful. I think 13 really takes... I feel like this is where Final Fantasy really falls into kind of like it's a gorgeous game and really stunning graphics. Uh, 13 also still looks really good now. Like it still looks fantastic. But yeah, there's nothing specific that stands out for me. 13 is incredible because I don't, user reviews didn't affect me at the time, so I didn't really see them and I really enjoyed it. But what is really cool is the first time you kill a long gooey, which is really satisfying. So the long gooey are the most ultimate form of the adamantoys in this game hmm. and really the easiest way to do it is just stick vanilla in a couple of uh, uh what are they called the defender cloths there's a uh, sentinel sentinel thank you um yes yeah, so you stick two sentinels in and vanilla and you just cause death on them until they die and you get so much experience but you probably will die a few times before you do it but it was a kind of great achievement that i would say i'm quite proud of <laughs> Yeah, I never. I don't think I even fought one of those. I'm like, I don't. I don't even want to deal with this in that one. I, I fought one in thirteen two, although it was not super difficult in thirteen two. No. Boy, everything about thirteen is kind of a mess. <laughs> and when I say when I say thirteen, I mean the whole franchise that thirteen was supposed to be. Yeah, it was supposed to be four games, then became three, then four again. <laughs> I, I don't. I really don't want to break down the saga of the of the five no. crystallis franchise versus 13 guys yeah i mean versus 13 ended up being ff15 yeah. and uh and then oh was agito well, first it? was canceled and then became something else and yeah. uh time zero yeah i thought type was type zero separate from agito i thought agito would like was no, it agito. turned into it turned into type zero and, and then mm. they eventually made like a, a cell phone companion to type zero called agito like, yes <laughs> yeah so like, so, like but, so the ff13 saga franchise saga is a bunch of stories like that yeah and it's weird because they end up they still did do the three games and they are connected although they always feel weirdly connected to me because it's the same characters and it's supposed to be sort of the same world, but they wanted to make a new setting each time. So it it's just feels like a totally different place each time. Because of all the BS around it, I was wary to get into about getting into it and ended up passing on basically all of it. 
which is maybe to my uh, n not to my benefit. Like I, a lot of people like parts of the FF13 saga. I was always a little, a little intimidated and a little uh, cautious about it. I can I can agree with that. I always I don't know when I first heard of some of the underlying concepts, sort of like the fuzzy, let's see, underlying world-related stuff. It sounded really interesting, but then I started hearing how much of it was kind of tucked away and not really accessible if you just play the game. Mm -hmm. and right. Yeah, that, that did kind of make me shy away. Yeah, I, I think 13 has a just really, really fascinating world, but to know that is kind of tricky. Like, you have to read all the, like, data entries in 13, which is fine. I did that. But then they went, oh, when they released the little like the, the, novellas the good, and other stuff in Japan, <laughs> the age of like Dragon Age and Mass Effect codices, yeah, uh -huh. God, <laughs> which is which is funny because I know there were a ton of games a long time ago that I played that had supplementary stuff and required a lot of effort, and I, that, I was fine with that. <laughs> that, that. That's fair, but when they became ever present, and when we're used to a kind of game that has most of its uh, text most of its text in the open and suddenly uh, these games that were used to having more visible text have all this hidden text yeah it, it ma makes going out of your way to read about the world seem like it's too out of the way or a chore like i mean i i i i've played games with with codex features but the fact that a final fantasy game has so much of its content hidden there is problematic and and it might even be more problematic in final fantasy tactics where all of the stuff of the war that happened before the war you're in and a lot of the side character details are hidden in those in those menus and i, I and again it doesn't always bother me but i don't think it's a great look when too much lore is in a menu and not in text well if it helps any when it comes to 13 um a lot of the lore isn't even in the in there because by the time you get to the other two games, you understand more of the world, and that that is none of that is mentioned anywhere in thirteen. <laughs> um, so they, they they seem kind of disconnected at first, and I assume the segment is now about all three games because I'm going to talk about all three games. Because um, you know the whole thing with the first game is the false and the sea, and you have all these like godlike creatures, and then you get to the second game, and they're talking about you know this goddess and. I I think I've looked and I think the goddess and the other gods or whatever are mentioned once or twice in the game if you really dig for them. But it's really weird. It's really weird. Like, it all technically makes sense in the end, but if you're not really digging in and following it, you don't see how the games are connected in some ways. Um, that said, I still enjoyed 13 um, yeah. for the most part. Um, the first 40 hours, I kind of had to like push myself because, you know, we talked about how 10 is linear, but I think 10 has a leg up on it in that you are mostly walking on a path, but there are villages and towns and people to talk to. Huh. And yeah. 13 is all of that stuff from 10, except without any of that. Like mm -hmm. your shops are computer screens. It's just, it's, it's a little weird. The craft it's really pretty. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Um, when you get to Pulse though, I wish that was more of the game. I agree. Because if you, yeah, because I think most people don't get that far. 
and they're like, it's easy to write it off because like, yes, it's, it is too much running. And it's funny that there's even a mini map because the mini map is just a straight line for most of the game. <laughs> um, but then you get to pulse and like the world opens up and there's new gameplay systems. And like, it feels like this is the game I thought I was getting into here. Mm. So I don't know. It, it's, I think it's worth playing if you can get to that point, because then there's some interesting stuff going on. Yeah. So I guess moving on to 13.2, Mike. Yeah, I think I'm the only one here that likes it, huh? I didn't know Alana like hated it so much. I, I haven't played um, any of them. I really, really didn't. I don't know what it was. I just Sarah's character in thirteen. I did not feel deserved to be a main character in thirteen two. The only standouts that I take from thirteen two is the soundtrack's still really good. Uh, there's also a heavy metal chocobo theme in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also the, the bad guy is actually pretty interesting more interesting than the bad guy in 13 but you know i don't know it just rubs me the wrong way and i really dislike the plot and how even more convoluted it happens to be but yeah it's not a not great for me i'm afraid yeah i mean i know it's convoluted maybe i'm just a sucker for time travel you know i i think i think sarah is actually at a real character in 13 too. There's not much to her in 13. So I'm with you there. I wouldn't have chosen her from 13 to lead a game, but like at least she actually is a real person in the second game. Whether or not you like her, I guess is another question, but hmm. I don't know. I like 13 too a lot, but maybe it's the time travel thing. I think they refine the battle system. Yeah, you can have great. chocobos in your party, which is yep. cool. Um, yeah. And then we don't really need to talk about lightning returns. You, you know what I, what I did learn, and assuming these are right, I did look up like sales figures for like the whole Final Fantasy series. Okay. And the sales for the 13 games literally were cut in half each time. Oh, so wow. 13 2 sold half as much as 13, and then lightning returns sold half as much as 13 2. Big drop off. That, that that usually is a function of the reception of the first game because sequels will almost yes. always outsell the previous ones if the previous one had a lot of buzz and positive reception. But to have right. it go down each time is a bad look in, ge- in, it is. in general. We can leave it at that. I think there's good moments in the other ones, but they, I think they get harder to find. But you can get them for cheap now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've thought, of, I've thought about getting him on PC before. I was glad to finish him, but I don't like go out of my way to like tell people to play them either. <laughs> um, unlike fourteen, Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen, the second Final Fantasy MMO, has a a, a saga so confusing with a that had it that resulted in a complete shutdown that was baked into the plot of its reboot in a re- really what? remarkable way incredible and uh and 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 it's reboot being the only mmo experience i've been compelled to try and i'm and deeply impressed by it yeah i think ff14 is great so um mike will have a lot to talk about ff14 i'm sure but um uh uh, first hillary have you played ff14 before i actually haven't it's it's kind of shockingly good but um, i'm working on it there's a uh there's a lot to talk about with it. I don't. I don't know we, we, how deep into the nitty gritty we should get. But um, starting with you, Alana, do you have any specific uh, or favorite memory or favorite location or character in FF14? Hmm. Yeah, probably. I mean, I've not played it since about March this year. Um, so one of them 
is a really cool instance. Um, it is the Steps of Faith, the first one that you have to do before Heaven's Ward. Mm -hmm. um, people don't like that one because there's no real way you can rush it. <laughs> you have to do a sequential kind of sequence where you have to will it down, fire some cannons. <laughs> the minute we logged on to a roulette, somebody was like, nope, I'm going. And we were left with like six people. And we were like, oh, no. let's try and do this. We did it. We did it to be fair. So it was pretty good. Um, but I would I'll leave some of the side quests to some of the other panelists on here because I think we want to talk about them. But my favorite character is Yugiri. And I've not really played Stormblood. And I know she gets a slightly bigger role in Stormblood. But I much really bigger, like much bigger, actually. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but I really think she's really cool. So I know before she made a proper appearance, her character model was based on a Mikote because they hadn't created the Aura race yet. So her okay. entire posture, her entire everything was modeled on the um, Mikote class. Um, she's just really cool. Um, I mean, I've got a, a soft spot for ninjas because I made ninja. I was beginning before I quit um, to main machinist as well, which I was having a lot of fun with. I like playing some of the more left field classes than DPS classes compared to like Dragoon and Bard, even though Bards are cool with their big hats and stupid bows. But <laughs> yeah, um, I think and the other another instance that always sticks in my mind is Good King Mogglemog. Oh. oh yes everyone's favorite instance which if you're playing I, uh, with I, I haven't i haven't played uh face good king Mooglemog, but uh his music has notes of the mogs theme from ff6 in it <laughs> a motif that you can hear which i so i've heard the soundtrack to this but i haven't actually um done that instance which but it i think that's, a, that's like a really it, cool touch <laughs> it does sound like mogs theme and it also sounds like this is halloween from the night before christmas absolutely <laughs> this is halloween yes <laughs> It's fantastic. But again, because it's sad, because having been a newbie, it's really difficult to know what to do. But when people come in, and Mog Mooglemog is kind of, you have to do it in a specific way again. You have to kill this little Moogle before you do that one. And then you do this before that, but don't touch the big one. And whoever touches the big one gets a barrage of kind of text abuse, which is unnecessary. <laughs> from other players and i just feel really sorry for them but a lot of the time it's one of the instances you log into and people are like nope bite and they go and it's like okay five people let's try and do this um but 14 does summons extremely well astrals that's not they're no primals sorry i'm getting them confused no it's primals astrals is 15 yeah primals is 14 uh primals but but, uh, but ff14 does take place in the astral era which is it's, which which is not helpful it certainly does. Um, yeah, the primals in 14 are absolutely incredible and are really excellent implementation, as I'm sure they probably were in 11 as well, of the summons and espers in previous games. So personal favorite instance fights for me are probably Shiva, simply for the battle music alone, yeah. Garuda. Garuda is my favorite. I think it's, it's a really fun battle mechanically. Mm, yeah, especially the harder modes, they're extremely fun. Yeah, people don't um, like tanking Garuda, but it's like my one of my favorite battles to play as a warrior. <laughs> oh, it's not too bad, I don't think. I don't tank, but as far as I'm, I've not heard too much bad about it. And also, the final boss of the Heaven's Ward expansion is amazing. It's Knights of the Round, basically. Yes, it's just yes. An 
absolute the minute i walked in i was like bangasming essentially because i was like this <laughs> yeah. is so cool they have um re re like references to the uh to older like to older uh ff bosses and situations in really really smart ways like uh the, the final boss of realm reborn is basically ultimate weapon the final boss of the of the realm reborn extra two uh, x content is bahamut then the in in three o in in a uh, heaven's word it's knights of the round and then three x it's a bunch of alexander nonsense i i've only played i think um i'm somewhere in two in two x like in between realm reborn and heaven's word but because those quests get a little monotonous and i uh, that's when i fell i fell off the final fantasy fourteen wagon but I've had a lot of fun with it, and I'm not paying for the game right now, but I will start it up sometime in the future, because I do want to play more of it, and I did enjoy my time with it. But my most lasting memory, um, it, it might just be the exploration of the job system, because I love job <laughs> systems, as usual. And the way they work in uh, FF14 is that basically there's you level up jobs individually, so like if you're a level... 10 white mage and a level 20 black mage when you switch from white mage to black mage your level will switch from 10 to 20 and uh and there's quests to get more to get further along on your uh on your skills and abilities in the different uh in the different classes every five levels and there's like starting classes and then and then more advanced jobs but that's a little bit complicated that we don't need to get into it now <laughs> But long story short, I started out as a pugilist, which eventually turns into monk. But then when I discovered that I like tanking more than DPS for the most part, I switched uh, to marauder and warrior as my main class. So I have a my my warrior is at level fifty one, I think, and my monk is my monk my monk is at fifty, and everything else is thirty or below. But my my favorite quest attached to those job those job systems is the pugilist classes that you get uh before you switch from before you upgrade pugilist to monk yes. where basically uh the um the quest giver is this, is this former gla uh pit fighter named Hammon H A M O N and uh basically you have to like inspire his love for fighting again by being his hot new recruit because he's because even though he was a, a great fighter as in his younger days, Hammond is a basically a drunk, scared old man now, and by uh, and by you know beating up some of his former disciples and uh, and you know and by training with him again, he gets his old youthful vigor back. And there's this great scene where Hammond takes down an, a former rival, and even like you see a flash of the younger Hammond superimposed over him when he punches, and it's a great, great moment with a really delightful character that I interacted with for 15 to 20 hours as I leveled up Pugilist and Monk. Wow. And, and imagine cool little stories like that centered around more advanced versions of that class for, I'm probably getting these numbers wrong, but like seven subclasses and then about a dozen advanced jobs. Because like, like Monk is a job and Pugilist is its sub, is the subclass. So just exploring the different classes in FF, 14 and each of them having their own characters and lore and mini stories around them is a true delight to go through and i had so much fun exploring the different corners of ff14 with its three big hub towns and its dozens of areas interconnecting them i have i don't know the last time i was this impressed with an in-game world and i do want to revisit it eventually it just won't be soon i don't know when but mm -hmm. i, I want to get to that heavensward content the problem is the stuff in between Realm Reborn and Heavensworth gets pretty boring. 
It picks up around 2.4. I would say um, Dreams of Ice is probably the best. Okay, 2.4. But I... So that's when... You, I am not, I am not there yet. I think I'm in 2.2 or 2.3. Yeah, Yugiri's... When Yugiri pops up, you know things are getting... And when Astinian pops up, you know things are getting interesting. And you also know things are getting interesting when... Uh, uh, the, 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 what's his name? Why have I forgotten his name? Um, <laughs> shoot. Which one? Oh, there are so many God. characters. There school. are so many characters. There are so many. <laughs> in there. Never mind. Caitlin will kill me. That is my answer. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, Emmerich. Um, I, I'm Emmerich. Yeah, when she I'm loves it. She loves Emmerich. I love Emmerich too. I'm so sorry, Emmerich. <laughs> um, that's how long I haven't played it for. But yeah, when they, when all the characters from Heaven's Ward start trickling in, you know things start getting really interesting. Heaven's Ward is a really, really fantastic expansion as well. So I really, really liked Heaven's Ward probably more than the base game. I just... I thought the base, the base game main story was pretty good, especially mm. when, um, especially when all of the, uh, all the rest of your of your crew from the guild like show, show, uh, shows up to rescue you from that uh, from that one base. It's like like man, I wish I had more of these guys. Yeah. In the main story, but. And, and I started out as a pugilist, so I went through um, Ulda before uh, uh, before the other towns, and I, I, I was impressed with most of what was going on but the living breathing world and how beautiful everything was i thought was more important to me than this than the plot itself so i got yeah. really invested into the individual job quests and less invested into the larger plot that's cool which does have cool moments but whatever yeah. like um I, I i love curious gorge the uh the the, the, <laughs> the, the warrior quest given quest giver yeah. yes and he even has a line where it's like i don't know why people call me monkey sometimes that just makes me angry <laughs> Oh, and I should mention my favorite side quest, other than uh, other than Hammond and the Pugilist, is definitely the Mandervilles. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, of course. Is Godbert Mandeville the greatest side character? Godbert <laughs> Mandeville might be the best side character in Final Fantasy history. Um, uh, uh, I, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with him, Hillary, because I know you don't play the game. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I, I'm 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 going to give you a best of Godbert video or something after the podcast. Please cause, do, because you have you have to see this dude in action. You just have to, because goodness gracious, Godbert Manderville. Well, I, I believe you on that. I need to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm also one of those MMO hesitant sort of people. So hopefully. I was until I played this. <laughs> if you get the right people, most people are very welcoming on 14. And I think what scared me off of 11 was that by the time I was getting old enough to understand it, people were really heavily into it and really <laughs> ingrained into the system. Whereas 14, it's not young, young, it's four years old now, but it's pretty easy to get into. And most people are very helpful and obviously you will run into your roadblocks as you go along and there are people who i've run into far far more helpful people than toxic people than, absolutely uh, for sure. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah definitely it's really great to hear hmm. no everyone's really helpful and friendly for the most part there's so few instances you'll obviously come across people who think that they're amazing at the game and will tell you how to do things and then tell you when you do one tiny thing wrong but at the end of the day you just have to play and learn and everyone else is willing to help you out there's just like a 0.1 percent of people who shouldn't spoil it for you I, I think it's worth checking out if you're a final fantasy fan and at least mmo curious but it, it is a large time commitment to get to what the best of what the game has to offer so i i, I don't want to force anyone into it but uh oh i do 
<laughs> before before we let Mike go uh, and pop off on FF14, Alana, do you have a favorite dungeon? Uh, yes, I do. My favorite dungeon is either um, the Brayflox. Brayflox is my favorite. I like all the open air dungeons. Brayflox is also the first dungeon I got three commendations from, and I was very oh, nice. proud of that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it was just a group of three people who were like, oh, she was okay. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I also really, really like the the third to last dungeon in Heavensward, which is the one where you fight one of the Heavensward knights at the end, which everyone has a meme on. And oh, the vault? The vault is really cool. Yeah, I really like it. The vault is great. Where it falls sequentially into the plot of Heavensward and... The relevance of it at the time is outstandingly good so they're my two favorite dungeons i would say um but yeah i i wish the game would have more open air dungeons because most of them are all inside caves or buildings or things and there are like brayflox is kind of the one that stands out for me because it's the first kind of semi-difficult dungeon where there are actual mechanics that you have to memorize properly um, How K Manor is also pretty good as well. I, I like How K Manor and Brayflox. Uh, Brayflox is my second favorite one, but my uh, my favorite is I think Stone Vigil, just because I think <laughs> it has the coolest variety of enemies and the dragon yeah. bosses at the end, which do have some mechanics you have to learn, are really really fun. Sometimes mm. it's a little bit too much stone corridors because it's an abandoned sort of castle fort that's been taken over by drakes, but. Um, I love the boss fights in Stone Vigil, and uh, just like that fight in general, Brayflox is good for all of the reasons you said, and it's really colorful, and, and it has a, a cool vibe around it. And I, even though it's a dungeon that a lot of people hate, I kind of like the Darkhold, be oh. but it's for a similar reason that, that you mentioned. It, the very first time I ran it, I messaged, it was with strangers, and I messaged out, this is my first time, please don't go too hard on me, and a couple of them said a few little helpful words of advice. And I ended up just really kicking ass, and we went through it really fast, and I got and I got a triple commendation on it. So I, I so I have a very positive memory of my very first Darkhold run, and uh, ironically, that was my that was probably the smoothest run I've ever had of that dungeon. But I think my favorite is Vigil, and I really like Darkhold and Brayflox. Hmm. But Mike, you are one of the most enthusiastic FF14 players and RPG yes. fan. Um, uh, there's a lot of FF14 players on RPG fan, but you're one of the uh, one of the standard yeah. bearers uh, of the game, and and you've reviewed uh, many, if not all, of the uh, of the updates um, on the site. Am I am I mistaken? Yeah, I've, I've reviewed almost every update. When we first started doing it, it was um, we were kind of handing it off, so each of us would review a different part of it, and then I think everyone else got tired of it, and um, I just keep going because apparently I had nothing better to do, but. So I don't want to I don't want to over talk about fourteen. I, I think the best thing I could say about it, um, like we've talked about a little bit, is that it's sort of a they have an official term. I forget how they say it. It's not a love letter to the rest of the series, but it kind of is because it somehow works in like characters and references and things from like the entire series into this world, and it doesn't ever seem like it's shoehorned in. So, you want me to pick some favorite things, huh? Besides Hildebrand and Godbert, of course. <laughs> um, I think I would probably go with almost all of Heavensward. Uh, it's uh, like Alana was saying to you, 
you know, where you are in the game now, like, I know a lot of people think it's, there's a lot of like filler, but you're, you're like right before the point where things get really interesting. And I like the original game. Well, 2.0 a lot, even though I know, you know, the problem is like, we're so, we know too much since we cover the game. So we know about the development and all that. So it's really easy. Like we know that they had to like put this like rebuilt game together in a couple of years. So I think that colors it a little bit. Like I'm still impressed what they did, but I also know that they were working with a world that already existed. And they're like, we need to make the best of this. And it wasn't really until heaven's word where they said, all right, now we can make our own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it really shows. You know, there was, there's different, there's a better story going on, more interesting characters. Um, what I like telling people, both Heaven's Word and Stormblood, is that it feels even more like just a regular Final Fantasy, because as you play through the game, like these other story characters join you. So like, there's a lot of moments. There's even battles where like they fight with you. So it doesn't feel like this like solo experience. It feels more like a traditional Final Fantasy. I would completely agree. Having seen. I only remembered the mess that was the original build and I didn't realize that they had put all this effort into rebuilding the entire story and using the world and building off of the kind of rubble, I suppose, which is really what it does. I think Heaven's Ward is the place where it goes a little bit more. Like, we can do our own thing now. Look, the magic we can produce. And um, it is really fantastic. What they've done with it is really good. I, th- I think we've exhausted FF14. We spent quite a bit of time on it. And now let's talk about another game I haven't played, uh, the Final Fantasy XV. Um, has who here has put hard time into FF15? Because I unfortunately haven't. Not me. Uh, yeah, I finished it. I All haven't right. played any of the DLC, me but too. I have finished it. Cool. So, uh, how, how do you think that it fits alongside the other games in the series? And what's your maybe your your favorite one or two things about it? Um. So. When 15 came out and I played it, I absolutely adored it. I probably sang its praises a little bit too much. Um, I still think it's a really good game. I think it's really fantastically... It's kind of a bit of a mess like 13 is, but at least the mess is a little bit more coherent and issues aside from its story and some characters who, like, the game's not very good with Luna Freya or Aranea or things like that. But the four main characters are really the standout in the experience for me. So... Yeah, I think it's a really, really... I think it's a shame that it's kind of had the backlash. I know a few people on site aren't big fans of it, and I do get it. Um, It could have been a lot worse. And people were saying from the E3 demos, it could have been terrible. But um, I think it turned out okay. And the real... There was a standout moment. I'm not going to pick anything from late in the game, because kind of spoilers, and this game's still not a year old yet. Um, So, yeah, my overriding kind of strong memory other than the astrals in this game, which the summons again are absolutely outstanding and their designs are incredible. But there's there's just this real sense of friendship in there. And everybody talks about the power of friendship with JRPGs, really kind of cliched, like anime style, but there is actually a genuine kind of brotherhood between the four main characters. And as I was rambling on beforehand, like you can almost ignore a lot of the flaws, which is a bad thing to do, but 
Noctis Prompto, Gladio and Ignis are four really well-rounded characters together. Individually, Gladio is probably a little bit less plot relevance. Prompto's got some relevance. Ignis is kind of important. Um, Noctis is obviously, you know, the kind of binoculars that you have the game to play through. Um, but the four of them together really shine. They have all these little interactions and fights. They do silly little things. They really just bounce off of each other perfectly. They're like four pieces. They're like four slices of pizza, all different flavors, but they all complement each other really well. So it's just a really nice. They're one of the strongest RPG casts that I've played for quite a while for a small main party, at least anyway, not including the external characters, I would argue. And their kind of interactions really made the difference for me and made me enjoy it. Awesome. Also, again, soundtrack shout out for Yokoshima Mora, who, <laughs> oh my word. Um, so I would say wait until 15 is perhaps complete, which may well be another year, but I think it'll be worth oh it. Oh boy. I, yeah, I, I, I do want to play that thing. A lot of FF15 intrigues me a lot, and one of our uh, co-workers, an RPG fan, has lent me her copy of FF15 oh god, months ago, but I haven't played it yet because I, I, keep, I keep waiting for the patches to be ready on it, which is still not the case. Yeah, but so episode... I, 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 I will play it eventually, though. Yeah, episode Ignis is out at the end of the year, but there is a direct coming up on the 30th of November, which I think is gonna... Not a direct, but like a live stream for their first anniversary on the 29th, so once this episode's out, people will probably know more about what's coming. Some of the additions have already been really good, but... um. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for the full game. I haven't touched it since I finished it in January this year. Um, but I do want to go back and replay the whole thing. I, I remember a lot of that happening like, before, before it came out, actually. Mm. And I, I'm really interested to see how it all falls together when everything is you know patched and all the different episodes come to an end. Um, I think the other memory I have about it is actually just some of the kind of interesting guest musical choices i definitely had a moment when i was looking through music and saw that florence and the machine yes. did a cover for it and that just made me go that just made me have a huge whoa final yeah. fantasy has come a long no seriously final fantasy <laughs> has come a long way like from when i first started playing it, it it's it's made it it's really popular now yeah i have I kind of had that moment with Final Fantasy XIII, and even though I don't like this singer, Leona Lewis, who is really popular over here because mm. she won a talent competition... Wasn't, she, wasn't Eyes... she one of the winners of early X-Factor? Yeah, she won oh, okay. a series of X-Factor. Um, she got really big. She was one of the biggest success stories out of it. Um, but she did the main theme for Final Fantasy XIII, which is Eyes, Hands on Me, I think. Um, or ha My Hands. That was it. Um, it was You're here conflating it with Eyes on Me. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um... <laughs> But Florence and the Machine was the big one for me because I'm a big fan of Florence and the Machine anyway. Um, I remember watching the live stream and hearing Stand By Me, the cover, and Stand By Me is one of my favourite songs anyway, and hearing it, the really kind of slow, ethereal voice of Florence Welch anyway was just incredible. It's a really good cover. And also where you bring up different comp composers, um, we've had for the episodes, we've had... Yes, exactly. Uh, We've had uh, Keiichi Okabe of Near Fame. Nobuo Uematsu did the Comrades music. So I think Suzuki... And that's the multiplayer expansion, Comrades? Yeah, yes. Uh, for episode Prompto, one of the composers from 13 did it. Not Hamalzu, but 
Mitsuo Suziko or something like that. I've got their name wrong for definite. Um, and for episode Ignis, ah, ah, Yasunori Matsuda's doing it. Ah! Ah! Oh, nice. like, and the theme, I heard the trailer and I was like, that's, that's him. That's him. Oh my gosh, that's him. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we talked a lot about every Final Fantasy game. This is by far <laughs> the longest podcast in Retro Encounter <laughs> history. I am, I am 99% certain that we are going to divide this into two episodes. So, listeners, you may be listening to part two of this right now, and I just haven't made it clear <laughs> uh, because I wasn't aware this was going to be two episodes and we started recording. But I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have to call it quits because it has been more than three hours, and we are all adults with, <laughs> with things to do. So, um, so and, I, and I apologize if you guys were prepared to keep talking forever, but I think for our listeners' sake, we, we should call it quits here. Do we have any objections? And any final, 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 final fantasy thoughts to share? One sentence or okay. less. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Hillary? Just that it's been a really interesting journey, and so is the feature. Mm. Right on. And, uh, and Mike? No, I'm good. I'm just really glad that we got to get to sit down and talk about all this. I really thought we were going to touch on like a few things here and there. I didn't know no. we were going to like commit to the entire series, but I think it's been a really good conversation. Yeah, I, I was not anticipating this level of depth either going into this episode, but I'm I'm happy with where it ended up because we heard a lot of uh, we we've talked we've pontificated about every game in the series minus. A couple, like, uh, I mean, we, we dodged FF Tactics on this episode, which is okay, because we have three episodes of FF Tactics from 2015, I guess. But <laughs> this is um this has been quite a journey. Um, this is probably episode 112 and not 111 anymore, listeners. <laughs> so, but I, let, let's get into what is up ahead for Retro Encounter. We're, we have two episodes about Breath of Fire 4 coming in the future. One of them may be pushed into January by now. I'm not sure. I'd have to, I'm going to have to mess with the schedule after I'm done with this recording. But um, Alana, you and I have been playing Breath of Fire 4 for several weeks or a month, and we are both eager to talk about it, I'm certain. Oh yeah, definitely. We should have some recording down next week, so I'm excited to do that. With yeah, Definite. me too. And um, after that, we'll have a sort of a year-end cap-off episode for Retro Encounter, and then we'll get into our exciting January content, which we will mention in the next episode, I think. If you want to get in touch with us, listeners, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com, which uh, I'll probably be the one that reads those emails, so you'll also be directly getting in touch with me. Um, Also, comment on the rpgfan.com boards or the rpgfan uh, Facebook page. Review us on iTunes or Google Play or any of your podcast listening venues where there are reviews. We love any feedback, and we read everything that's directed to us. Um... So let's go with individual contact info. Starting with you, Mike, how can listeners get in touch with you? Um, I guess the easiest way is just email. Um, I mean, I'm on the forums, but I know a lot of people don't use those anymore. <laughs> so I would be Mike at RPGFan.com. And Hillary. Um, the fastest way to reach me is actually probably on the forums. I'm EP Fire. All right. And Alana. Um. Even more different. Fastest way to reach me is on Twitter um, at Alana Hagues, or on the boards I am Diving Falcons. And let's talk more Final Fantasy. Let's talk more Nine because I didn't get any Nine airtime on this episode very much, and I always want to talk about Nine, even though you're probably sick of it. Well, and listeners, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm Monsoon on the RPG fan boards. I'm at the Real Monsoon on Twitter. 
My email is my last name, Solosi, at RPGFan.com. And I have a second Twitter that's about Japanese costume superheroes mostly, and that Twitter is at Evoker for Dogs. So from all of us at RPG Fan, it has been quite a journey through a, a weekend afternoon <laughs> and, uh, and definitely setting an RPG Fan podcasting record, or RP- at least a Retro Encounter podcasting record. Uh, from all of us here at RPG Fan, thank you, good night, and good luck. <laughs>